are Locked On Astros, your daily Houston Astros podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at EricTalkStros. You can find the show at Locked On Astros. Your team every day. Brett, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and at Stros411 on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. Always positive, always Stros. So I know that there's been a lot of discussion recently about whether to play half games in Florida and the other half in Arizona. We kind of talked about it last week, but we're not going to really talk too much about that this week. For this week, we're continuing our greatest seasons in franchise history. And this next one was actually had a little bit of controversy between Brett and I, and I think it's going to have that feeling with y'all, the listeners as well. But we'll talk about the 2019 Astros, and I know that this kind of still fresh in your mind, and I know a lot of people are still worried about what happened in the playoffs but same time this team won 107 games this was one of the best teams in franchise history so why is it third and we'll talk about that a little bit as well and including tomorrow's team as well so uh, remember you can get locked on astros on the podcasting app himalaya as well as google podcast apple podcast and spotify when you get in your car tell your smart device played podcast locked on astros so uh, we all remember where we were in 2018 after the astros got this one lead in the ALCS versus the Red Sox. They're like cocky as you know what and they're strutting their stuff and then all of a sudden the Red Sox just uh, steamrolled them out of the playoffs and the Astros were coming out of the off that season and they've lost a lot of free agents. They lost Dallas Keuchel after the 2017 season. Charlie Morton, Marwin Gonzalez, Brian McCann, Evan Gaddis, And I know that a lot of people will say that Dallas Keuchel was a big loss. I think Charlie Morton was the biggest loss. They won a whole bunch of games the year before. They went to the ALCS. Eventually, you're going to have to pay. Marvin Gonzalez was a great player with the Astros. He didn't do so well with the Twins. Dallas Keuchel was a great pitcher with the Astros. But he didn't do so well last year. Um, Charlie Morton continued his tear through the American League. And so we all know that Charlie Morton was a big loss for the Astros because, you know, like I said, tearing through the American League with a 16-6 and record, um, he continued to get the strikeouts. He had 240 strikeouts. Man, would it have been nice to have him in 2019 in the season we're talking about. So, yeah, some of those losses were inevitable. But 2018, for every sense of the word, I believe, after that one victory against the Red Sox, they just obliterated the Astros. And we know... The controversy that hides behind the curtain right now as MLB has not revealed their findings. But regardless, the Red Sox beat the crap out of us in the playoffs. And I really think that if we had Charlie Morton, we had another guy in there, maybe maybe the tides would have been different. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's a lot of stuff you can look back on. Definitely the offseason before the 2019 season. But I think the decision to let Charlie Morton was uh, a big mistake. And the Astros had to pay for it dearly later on. But at the same time, Charlie Morton kind of fell apart at the end of the 2018 season. And he wasn't the same guy. And so they didn't know what they were going to get. But at the same time, they they didn't want to take that risk with the older guy. 
And so they also got a cheaper option in Wade Miley. That's one of the additions they made. They also brought in Michael Brantley for a two-year deal. I believe that before this, he was a, a good friends with George Springer. And they also robbed from the Rangers, Robinson Torinos. And so this was the way to kind of stopgap the catching situation for a little bit. But it was hard to lose those five. But Michael Brantley brought something to his team that they haven't had in a while. And that is a professional hitter, somebody who can, who knows how to hit in clutch situations. I, I know the Astros are good at that, but I think they needed somebody like Michael Brantley. And we saw what he added to this lineup. Yeah, Michael Brantley, he basically collected in 2019 179 hits. That was the most he had seen since his 2014 season with Cleveland, where he actually got to 200 hits. And his consistency at the plate has has always been there. There was one year where he was where he was injury prone in 2016, where he dropped below 300. But really, he's only been one point below 300 in the last four or five seasons, excluding that injury year. And not only does he bring a professional approach to the plate, but he just comes to the ballpark day in and day out. And I noticed that George Springer really took on a almost mentee role with. Brantley and of course you know when Brantley hit like his I don't know it was his what career home run it was or you know um, his 100th home run or something like that they were they were giving him a hard time about it and like oh it took you this long to get all these home runs and so it was really neat because Michael Brantley really fit in and for a guy to be in one city in Cleveland and be loved by Cleveland and to be consistent there and then to come here and he actually got better it was phenomenal. I think Eric at one time, he was batting in the 340s, you know? Yeah, he had a great season. He finished the season batting uh, 311, I believe. And yeah, and he had 22 homers, 90 RBIs, but he's never been a big homer guy. He's not going to go out and hit um, what Springer hit. 39 homers he's not he's not that type of guy he's a guy who can get those doubles he can get those singles and he just knows how to hit so I know Jeff Luno did let some people kind of slide away but at the same time he did bring in some talent Uh, Wade Miley actually responded pretty well we'll talk about that in a little bit but the Astros won opening day in Tampa this was something the narrative all offseason was oh, I hate that we're starting in Tampa because we can't seem to win in Tampa. And But then Verlander went out there and kind of shut the uh, Rays down. And then, unfortunately, they lost the next three games. And then they won the first game in Arlington. Then they lost the next two games. And one of those games that they lost in Arlington was Justin Verlander only lasting four innings. You could say that you're alive for that. And also, the next game was when Garrett Cole got ejected for arguing strikes after, I think it was like in between innings or something, and they went to commercial break, and then they said, hey, by the way, um, Garrett Cole was just ejected. So the Astros started the season 2-5, two, two and five, coming home to play the ace. What were you thinking at that point? I was thinking that, well, maybe this team is gonna have some sort of hiccup of course I know the talent I know my bias I know my homer-ish ways but I do believe that a lot of fans if I remember correctly a lot of fans were freaking out they were like oh we suck and you know this and that we should you know Charlie Morton's gone and you know you you heard all the cries and of course 
Um, Garrett Cole, if I remember correctly, didn't really like he wasn't horrible, but he also wasn't stellar. He didn't really get going until maybe like a month or two later. Just, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but um, Garrett Cole didn't get off to a hot start like we thought he would. And I don't know at what point we were in. I know Justin Verlander in 2019 gave up a lot of long balls. A lot of them were, you know, solo shots. But what Garrett Cole and Verlander were able to do in the season overall, when the when the season was over, obviously we know what happened where they were neck and neck in the Cy Young race. It was just unbelievable to watch. I'm going to actually ask um, a trivia question before we go to our first commercial break. So when we get to that, let me know and I'll throw some of the fans. Uh, you mean like right now? Because uh, we're basically at the break. So guys, when we get back from the break, we're going to go ahead and talk about what happened good in 2019 and the bad in 2019. And don't forget, you can listen to the show every day. Remember, get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Astros on Himalaya, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. Listen in your car to from work every day. And Brett, go ahead and tease your little trivia question. How many Grand Slams did the Houston Astros hit in 2019? And who were who was the batter that hit the most Grand Slams? It's a two-part question. All right, we'll be back after the break. Day unknown of the coronavirus stay at home. You don't want to go out. Brett was telling me earlier he doesn't want to wear a mask at the store. So if you don't want to wear a mask to a store, if you don't want to go get that breakfast burrito, if you don't want to get that 12-pack of beer, why not try Postmates? Postmates is something that could help you. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. You know, I love food. Or like the famous Homer Simpson once said, beer. I want beer. So I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant that I can think of right to my door. But Brett, Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. You need some underwear and don't want to go to the store? There you go. That's all. That's right. The old English 1800. Get it from the stop and go. If you want that malt liquor, get some. Just download the Postmates on the iOS or Android app. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the next seven days. To start your free delivery, download the app and use the code Locked on. That's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit. No minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, welcome back to Locked on Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Strohs. Brett, where can I find you at? At H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and at Strohs411 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I saw that the Astros won like 36 games with uh, a, a huge lead throughout the year. And you kind of teased a little uh, trivia question. So did anybody answer? Let's see. So, Brett, why don't you go and give them their, the answer? How many Grand Slams were hit in 2019? Well, 12 Grand Slams were hit in all. And the second part of the question was who had the most Grand Slams? And the most Grand Slams were hit by Alex Bregman, who had three. Behind him was Jose Altuve with two. And this was, remember, the famous 
Grand Slam June 23rd at Yankee Stadium, where we thought Tyler White had turned the corner. He had kicked the can of sucking down the road, and he was going to become the Tyler White that some great sports writers thought he would be, and he didn't. Was that a shot at me? I don't know. <laughs> no, that was not a shot at you. The shot was at the person I will not name on the air because I'm a better person than that. But you can make your educated guess. And so the Astros won 107 games between having the highest walk percentage at 10.1 and also having the lowest strikeout rate at 18.2. I know a lot of people would be like, but that's not the case in 2019. They stopped doing that apparently in 2018. And so the Ast- maybe they're still doing something. Who knows? But the, the key is the Astros had a great season because of so many different factors. And they didn't have a rotation outside of Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole for a while there. I mean, Wade Miley, I guess we could talk about what happened good. Wade Miley was good through August. He was 13-4. and four. He had 3.06 ERA. Everybody was celebrating him. I think Breaking Tea came out with this Wade Miley and the famous people. And then what happened after that? He imploded. In September, he was 1-2 and two with a 16.68 ERA. I remember he couldn't even pitch an inning or so here or there. And it was just pathetic how he just fell apart. I don't know if he hit a wall or what, but he was so strong. I know that you're writing at Climbing Tows Hill. You had a little Wade Miley's Chronicle going on there for a while there, but I think that really changed the Astros' minds towards the trade deadline, and they needed to go out and get somebody. No, yeah, definitely. Wade Miley was really fun, and I I picked him last year, and I I just had this hunch that Wade Miley was going to have a year like he had never had before just because the Astros pitching coach situation and the veterans he would be around. And I was right at first. And it was fun writing about that. At one time, Eric, he had nine consecutive starts, giving up three runs or less, and not even Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander had that at the time. And so by all accounts, statistically, he was one of the top five pitchers in the American League. He was absolutely taking his unstellar stuff He's not a flamethrower, but he was learning to place his pitches and throw the right combination of pitches to get hitters out. And it was very strange the way that he just tanked. It was almost like he was telling the guys what was coming or what. Someone had some intel on him or I don't know. I've never seen a drop off like that. And of course, everybody, all the naysayers from the beginning came out, oh, we knew Wade Miley. But the trade that came about, which was a blessing, I think, in the long run, and I think we'll see even more, hopefully, if we get baseball this year, we got Zach Grinke at the trade deadline. Do you remember where you were when the Astros traded for Zach Grinke? Yes, I remember. I was yelling at the TV, Jeff Luna, why didn't you go out and get another starter? And because the trade deadline had just expired. And I remember that Ken Rosenthal coming on and saying, wait, I'm hearing that the Astros got Zach Grinke and Aaron Sanchez. And I, I was like, wait, wait, what? What happened there? And so I know at the time the Astros were trying to do this experiment of starters. Brad Peacock didn't have his great season. He was seven and six with four twelve ERA. He dealt with some injuries. Corbin Martin was one and one with a five point fifty nine ERA. Good in like one or maybe two starts. He showed some real electric uh, stuff, but then he dealt with the Tommy John surgery. Then you had Colin McHugh. He was four and five with a four point seventy ERA and eight 
great starts. And then from Valdez, everybody loves him for some reason, but he was four and seven with a 5.86 ERA. So the Astros needed some starters. So they went out and they traded a couple great prospects. I know that Jeremy Booth would say that these guys aren't going to be franchise altering, but there's some good players. Corbin Martin, Seth Beer, J.B. Biscaskis, and then Joshua Rojas. Yeah, you know, Joshua Rojas, we had interviewed him, I guess, about a month before he got traded. And I um, had the opportunity to interview him again and talk to him about that season. And it was really interesting when that happened. And this this is just kind of a cool insight. When he got traded, Eric, he had to leave the field. And he went back to the locker room. He came back out. And they were like, you can't even be on the field. It's a liability. You now belong to the Arizona Diamondback. So he left. But I really thought that Rojas had a future being somewhere in the major leagues. Obviously not here in Houston. But Seth Beer, I know a lot of people have high hopes for him. I think I project him to be a regular major league player. I don't know if he'll be a superstar. And JB definitely has some promising stuff. So did we sell the farm to get Zach Grinke? Uh, maybe. But Zach Grinke did go 8-1 and one and had a 3.02 ERA. And the way he puts pitchers to sleep with that EFIS pitch and his changing of speeds by 20 or 30 miles an hour, and he doesn't even throw that hard, I thought it was a great addition because he's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time. He's a future Hall of Famer, and he fits in perfectly. And I thought he fit in perfectly with Verlander and with Cole. Yeah, Aaron Sanchez was kind of a uh, diamond in rough. Uh, he was coming off a bad season. He didn't really deal with as many injuries as he has in the past because that's all that his blisters really kept him from becoming a star. Uh, there were a couple seasons where he just looked like he was dominant, but he came to the Astros. He was part of that combined no-hitter, ironically, with Joe Biagini, who was also acquired in that trade. And that was one of those epic moments because you're like, okay, we have all these near misses where Justin Verlander almost throws a no-hitter and then Garrett Cole almost throws a no-hitter and then Zach Greinke almost throws a no-hitter. And so who throws a freaking no-hitter? Aaron Sanchez and the crew. And uh, so that was uh, one of those moments of the season. And one of the big things of the season that changed the franchise, I think, was Jordan Alvarez. I think that him coming up, him doing what he did immediately, this guy came up hot. He, he came up and he just looked like he's Babe Ruth or he just seemed like he was a different type of cat. He batted 313 with 27 homers and 78 RBIs. That's on top of what he did in AAA. He had a monster season. The question is for 2020, he's not going to have the chance to come up while he's hot. Can he go ahead and get hot while he's with the Astros? I think so. I don't I don't see any reason why this guy would have a sophomore slump. And the reason why I say that is because I watch him when he's in the box. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. When he misses a pitch, when he swings and miss hits a ball, you can tell he's thinking about it. So he's not going up there going, well, I'm Jordan Alvarez. I hit home runs. It's what I do. His job is to get hits. And if, if you, as a fan, paid attention, he didn't just hit home runs. You know, yes, he had... 27 home run but he also had 26 doubles and so his of his 98 hits over half his hits were actually extra base hits and so that is a very good thing Jordan the only thing I think that holds him back even in a shortened season of 2020 is if his knee isn't healthy this year if his knee stays healthy I think he's easily hitting over 300 I think he's easily hitting 20 plus home runs I think even in a shortened season Eric 
He did 27 home runs in only 87 games. These pitchers aren't going to have the time to prepare if they do have a shortened season. And so I don't think they'll be able to really go out there and give Jordan Alvarez a full season worth of stuff. Now, 2021 may be a different story. But I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah, he just seems like a natural, and I think it's going to be relatively easy for him to get started. One of the reasons that the Astros really did good was when Grinky came over. He was 8-1 and one with a 3.02 ERA in 10 starts. I know a lot of he got kind of got off to a rough start with the Astros, but he ended up settling down. And then Altuve, he was hot for 23 games to start the season. He's batting 289 with 9 homers, 20 RBIs. I believe he had five straight homer games which tied a record I believe it was Morgan Innsberg I'm just doing this off the top of my memory but then he went the next 16 games he batted 167 with zero homers one RBI he went on the IL mid-May he returned June 19th on top of that at the end of May you also had George Springer and then Carlos Correa went out with the rib injury. Yeah, the the rib injury, right? Um, and yeah, so I've heard rumors about that. We won't go there. Um, Carlos Correa's biggest problem is staying healthy. Before that rib injury, before he really started dealing with, with the back issues and all that stuff, Eric, he was on a tear. I don't know if you remember, he was absolutely crushing the ball. And when he came back the first time, then he went back on the I.L., it was just adding insult to injury. You know, Correa, probably 2019, other than the playoffs and other than the World Series where he hits the home run and he kind of puts his hand behind his ear like, you know, where are my haters at? 2019 is probably almost a forgettable year for him just because of the limits. I mean, he only played 75 games. That's not a great season. So Carlos Correa, I think more than anybody, is chomping at the bit to get back on the field because I believe that he has a huge chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot to prove. And I think with what he's done this offseason, he's kind of spoken out uh, to in support of the Astros. And while all the other Astros players were kind of keeping their mouth closed, Correa was coming out and kind of owning the situation. And I think uh, fans have, have come to develop a little bit more respect for him. And in a way, I think that he's more likely than George Springer to return when they both become free agents. I want George Springer to return, but uh, we're getting sidetracked here. But I think that Correa does have more of a bond with the city and his team than I think he does. But George Springer does too. Speaking of Springer, he had a great season. I mean, this is a guy I've always had on my fantasy team, but he always misses sometimes. He, he only played 122 games this year. But he did bat, what, uh, 292 with 39 homers, 96 RBIs. He added 36, I mean, sorry, six stolen bases. 36 would have been a lot, but he had six <laughs> stolen bases and he had an OPS of 974. So this is a George Bringer that we were looking for all these years. He always kind of teased us, but then he, he has that injury issues too. But this year it was more mild injuries. Yeah, you know, I had picked actually, I had made a bold prediction so that I thought five players were going to hit 300 and we had four players that hit 290 between 292 and 298 where we had two that ended with ended over 300 and then you had Altuve, Guriel, Bregman and Springer and also Correa was at 279 and so we had the league lead 274 batting average we were third in hits overall 
We were third in home runs. Eric, this team was better than the 2017 team that won the World Series. And I'll always think that that this team had that potential, but there's a reason why we ranked them third and not second or first. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the, who's second tomorrow. And uh, I think the meaning behind the team that finished second is more important than just what happened last year. And unfortunately, the Astros just uh, kind of ran into a buzzsaw in the Nationals. And they the Nationals basically, they, they swept maybe not swept all the way through, but they basically annihilated their way to the World Series. Uh, I know they dominated the Cardinals. The Cardinals were a good team, but it just seemed like the Nationals just had the pitching that the Astros can match. And despite Garrett Cole and uh, pitching his heart out, Justin Verlander just wasn't his self. During the ALDS, I was a little worried uh, versus the Rays. The Rays were a little scrappy team. They had uh, just enough pitching. Then uh, we faced the, what was it, the uh What's that uh, team in uh, New York? Uh, the Yankees, that's right. The, oh, yeah, the Yankees, those uh, guys. You mean New York? You mean the team that we beat every time in the playoffs since 2015? Oh, those guys, yeah. I think everybody will remember that homer off of Roldis Chapman. And just, I know a lot of people point to why did he not want to tear off the jersey and all that stuff. But that has to be one of the most epic moments in Astros history against that closer walk off to the World Series. That was just an impressive moment. So the 2017, sorry, 2019 Astros, they didn't have as impressive a pitching staff throughout the whole season that the 2018 team did. And that makes it so frustrating that the, Ast- the 2018 Astros didn't go all the way, but they did have enough pitching to match with that powerful lineup. No, yeah, definitely. And if memory serves me correctly, the Nationals had one of those years. They had one of those years where everything fell into place. The way they beat the Brewers, the way they beat the Dodgers, the way that they basically got to the World Series. Once they got to the World Series, they played the Cardinals, by the way. They swept the Cardinals and uh, almost uh, like two of the pitchers almost no hit the Cardinals. And so the way that they just basically walked their way into the World Series and not only walked their way into the World Series with a lot of stride and a lot of pride. They really earned it. They came into Minute Maid, and the way they won, games that they beat the Astros in, the 7-2, the the final game was just like it was it was our game to lose, and we lost it. But at the end of the day, like after the Nationals beat us in Game 7, I wasn't really hanging my head the way I thought I would in a World Series loss. It was nothing like how I felt when we got beat by the White Sox, but it was just you had to respect the guys on the other side because Strasburg, Scherzer, I mean, these guys were just absolutely lights out. Um, Scherzer maybe wasn't his sharpest at times, but he was Matt, he's Max Scherzer. And, they, they, you know, they had guys like Howie, Howie Kendrick and other players that aren't superstars, but they're really good clutch guys. And so you got to hand it to the Nationals. That was a tough, that was a great, a great World Series. And a lot of people are forgetting that. Yeah. And uh, game one of the World Series just was just uh, like epically bad. I was there and uh, my friend came in from Kansas City and uh, we were sitting out in the standing room only. And then they kept on scoring <sighs> runs. And it's like, what the heck is going on here? And uh, this was off Garrett Cole. And you're like, how does this happen? And that's why you you play baseball. This season was 
a good season, but we ranked it third for a reason. They had so much expectations. They won 107 games. This team should have won the World Series. If they would have won the World Series, I think then we would put them behind the 2017 Astros. But I just think that the expectations for this team especially with this dynamic lineup, the top three of Grinky and Grinky game seven. Oh, that still kills me. Why AJ Hans took him out of the game. He was dominating. Just give the guy a chance. He struggled so far in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden he's looking like the ace he's supposed to be. Let him pitch. And we're not going to go into this. We'll talk all day about this, but any final thoughts about the season? Well, I know that it's interesting that Will Harris, who gave up the home run that really put the Nationals on top pretty much for good, is now a National. Handshake deal? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just just one of those things where there are a lot of really good things to remember. If you want to focus on the negative, you can find some negative. But, you know, Eric, there was a time when we had, in a single month, pretty much every award, the player of the month, the pitcher of the month, and the rookie of the month, all in one month. The Astros team that year was absolutely loaded. I don't know that we'll see another 107-win season um, anytime soon, but we definitely can try to get there. Obviously, this year we won't get that. I don't think we'll ever see a team that good, that loaded with that much talent because that's before George Springer is set to leave after 2020 season. And I want to go ahead and put up for nomination the worst offseason ever was the 2019 and 2020 offseason because it's still going on. And it's it's been one disaster after another. And uh, we just want to see baseball. And that's what sucks about this whole coronavirus thing. Um, maybe we'll see baseball in May. No fans. We'll see. But I guess that's all we got. Uh, tomorrow we'll kind of talk a little bit more about why we picked the the team that we picked tomorrow as the number two team and kind of compare it a little bit more. But that's all we got for tonight's Locked On Astros podcast. Remember, get the show every day. You can subscribe on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in the car, tell your smart device to play the podcast. Locked On Astros.